0: You're listening to The Daily Sweat Podcast, where we are all about doing something that makes you sweat every single day. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Sweat Podcast. As always, I am super stoked that you are here. I'm stoked to be chatting with you. I'm stoked about today's guest. I'm stoked about the fact that we are getting closer and closer to summer. There's just a whole lot of good stuff to be excited about. And, you know, I have always been a proponent of keeping a daily gratitude list, whether I do it in my journaling or if I just think about things that I'm grateful for in the morning, it's something that I've been doing for many years now. And I personally, I don't know, maybe if you are on it with your gratitude practice, you don't find this, maybe I'm the only one, but sometimes I find that I almost just get caught in going through the motions of gratitude what do I mean by that? I mean, I write out the things I'm grateful for and I take time to think about them, but I don't actually feel them. Do you ever find that or am I just crazy? I hope I'm not just crazy and that you maybe experience that on occasion too. And one of the things that I really love about podcasting is that before I go on and do an interview with somebody like today's guest, or before I record a solo episode, I will take some time to really sit and just feel into what I want to talk about, feel into the energy of the person that I'm interviewing, or feel into the excitement of the thing that I'm talking about. And it's almost like it takes that gratitude practice to a whole new level. So when I'm sitting here on my intros and I'm saying that I'm stoked that you're here and I'm stoked about today's guest, I really do feel that. I feel that excitement. And my encouragement for you today is that if you are taking time to think about things that you're grateful for or things that you're excited about, to really stop and actually feel that gratitude or feel that excitement rather than just say yeah i'm super excited actually feel what does it feel like to be excited where in your body do you feel that so that's my little little tip for you today i guess before we dive into the episode And in today's episode, I'm speaking to a local to Vancouver coach named Megan. Um, I have known Megan for probably about a year and a half now. We've had the opportunity to meet in person quite a few times. So I love when I'm able to bring super awesome people from the community who I know and bring them onto the show because I think that... The more we all work together and just help spread one another's messages, the stronger and healthier our communities become. So Megan, thank you for coming on and sharing your insights. I know I already said that, but a pre-thank you before the episode. And Megan and I talk about quite a few different things. We talk about resilience and what it means, how Megan experiences it in her own life and how it has come through and some of the challenges that she's faced we talk about the importance of resiliency when we're working towards goals, whether they are athletic goals or fitness goals or goals within our businesses or lives. We talk about how to stay committed to our results. Um, and Megan also shares some really great tips on how to help yourself when you have experienced a setback and how do you get yourself back on the track. So to give you a quick rundown about Megan before we get going, Megan Lacoste is a small town girl who grew up helping in her parents' restaurant turned nutritionist. After using tools she learned through her degree in nutrition and personal experience from losing 20 pounds her own way, she felt prepared and confident to start her own business, Slim Nutrition Coaching. She's constantly working to find the balance between healthy and realistic with her clients on their weight loss journeys. Megan's practice focuses on eating whole foods and creating healthy habits for the long term. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode with Megan. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Daily Sweat Podcast, Megan. I'm super stoked to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um so before we dive into the meat of our conversation, I always just like to start by learning a little bit more about the person who I'm interviewing and I would love to know what you are most excited about in life right now. Sure, it's
1: perfect timing. I mean, it's going to be a little bit late once the podcast comes out, but right now I'm most excited about going on vacation tomorrow. Yay. <laughs> and, uh, I know. Um it's just going to be such a great break. The, we're going to Mexico. So I'm going to enjoy some warm weather and um, get some R&R, which, you know, we're all working so hard and we totally deserve.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. And whereabouts in Mexico are you going? We're going to Cozumel and I've never oh. been there before. So yeah. Fun. And how long are you gone for? Just a week. Nice and when you go on vacation do you like to do like the poolside lounging kind of thing or do you tend to have like a schedule on like we're gonna go and do this thing and then we're gonna go and see this site
1: um we haven't planned very much which is not really my style I like planning everything but things are busy and we're just gonna go with the flow but we definitely want to do some adventure things so we'll be doing some scuba diving and hopefully we'll rent a car and kind of drive out to uh more isolated beach not really the all-inclusive sit-by-the-pool type maybe a day or a day or two of that is fine but for an entire week I think I'd get bored
0: yeah I hear you I think I would go crazy (laughs) (laughs) um so why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your origin story how did you come to be doing the work that you're doing today
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm Megan, founder of Slim Nutrition Coaching, and I also co-founded the West Coast Nutritionists, which is a group um, with two other nutritionists in San Diego. So my nutrition story started many years ago, which isn't as common as I thought. Like the more I meet other nutritionists, it seems they found it kind of later in life. But For me, it was really like in grade nine when they made us do a project to find out what you were going to do as a career. A dietitian was one of the careers that I compared and out of that project, I was like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. So from the age of 14, I was like, I'm going to be a dietitian Um, for, I mean, a big part of that is that my parents are both chefs. I grew up working in their restaurant and actually Ariana and I were talking before this about how we both joke about being child slaves in the industry but it really was a great way to see you know get exposure see the way you can put love and passion into food and how food can become not just a party you know feeding you but also a part of your livelihood and entire life kind of from there um so if you're not familiar with my story already, you'll know that becoming a dietitian didn't work out as I planned. Uh, The grades that I got in my first couple years of university, and I hope that some people can relate, but growing up in a small town, going to a small school, and then going to a huge university is not an easy transition. And I thought that I knew a lot more than I really did. So uh, when it came to applying for the program after two years at UBC, I was told that, you know, my resume, my demeanor, my volunteering, everything was wonderful. uh, But my grades were just not going to make the cut. And there was no way I could get my average high enough to even be considered for the program. So it was pretty discouraging. And but I decided from there, you know, and we'll get I think later on into how I kind of persevered through this, but just a way to find value in continuing my education. So from there, I went to a more kind of diverse education. Uh, Through nutrition, I learned about health psychology and the way that people interact with food and the way that different populations interact with, uh, health and the healthcare system within our country and the history behind that, um, which are not always options in that very specific dietetics program. So I do feel like in the end, I got a well-rounded, um, science education in nutrition and that's, that's kind of my story.
0: You know, as much, as much as I'm sure, when that didn't work out with your dietetics program. I feel like everything always happens the way that it needs to happen to lead us to where we go or to where we need to go. And who knows, if you had become a dietitian, your work may look very... Well, it would look very different from what you're doing. Your day.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I... The more, the more I learn, the more that I see that I'm only really interested in a, in a tiny portion of what they learn in dietetics. And I think I've managed to find different ways to cover the same content and give value to my clients uh, without that designation.
0: In working through that, I'm sure that you had to cultivate a lot of resilience, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm curious to know how you define resilience.
1: Yeah, I mean, first I want to say as a caveat, at that point, I don't think I knew what resilience was, and it really takes uh, time away from the situation and looking back and growing as a person to truly figure out how you can get through situations. But to me, resilience is, it's more than just persistence or doing the same thing until you get a better result. It's the ability, ability to fail and learn from it. So adapting to change and continuing to learn how to improve yourself or your idea.
0: Mm, I love that. And how do you think we cultivate resilience? Uh, Practice.
1: Um, I think that it's in all of us. So we, we all have resilience. We just don't know where we put it or we don't know how to use it or we're coming at it from a different place. Uh, and for me, you know, in the beginning, I think that I came from resilience from the point of a victim, you know, oh, I'm the youngest person or I'm the, you know, working as a child slave in my parents' restaurant or we don't have the nicest house or whatever it might be. or And then just kind of changing my own perspective on those That resilience and treating it as a special skill. You know what? I am trained in resilience from these experiences so I can get through this and be better or stronger for it.
0: Mm, I like it. And just from your own thoughts, and this can be your own theory, it doesn't have to be anything rooted in science or, you know, just from what you've seen in the work that you do with people and your own experiences. Why do you think that some people are able to cultivate that resiliency and to be able to make it through these challenging situations and overcome that victim mentality, whereas others really struggle to and stay within those thought patterns for most of their lives? Yeah, this is a
1: big question. I mean, I wish I had a wonderful answer to it that I could just share with everybody, But for me, it's really been perspective, Um, looking at a bigger picture, you know, this is just one situation in a very long life where there have been other wonderful things, there have been challenges, not so wonderful things, but focusing on, you know, this exact moment and this exact experience doesn't um, cause or whatever the right word is, create the rest of my life, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. I'm trying to think back to like different situations through my own life because I definitely lived with that victim mentality for a really long time. And like you, when I went through my transformation, I wasn't really aware of it. I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't understand perspective or anything like that. It was almost like it was one of those moments. And I think we all have these moments where we kind of just get sick of our own shit. And it's like, how much longer can you keep doing this? And do we actually listen to that call? Are we in an environment that supports us to listen to that call? Can we see what is potentially on the other side of listening to that call? Or do we just tell ourselves that it's easier to keep going the way that we go? So I'm with you and that I don't really have a real answer, but it's an interesting thing to think about for sure. I think what you said about environment is really important
1: too. Um, and, and I talk about this with my clients um, as well. Like, do you have people who support you? People who are positive? Like if all your friends are bad influences in when you're trying to make a positive change, that's just going to make it harder or almost impossible. Um, and so finding people who support you, people that you're comfortable with to be open to tell them, because not everybody is willing to say, you know, I am working on my health or I want to lose weight that can be that can be a challenging thing to talk about so having the positive environment around that I think really helps people succeed
0: yeah 100% now you mentioned that you lost 20 pounds through your own methods through finding your own ways ways that worked for you and your life and I'm curious how or if resiliency came into play, like, was that an easy process for you or did you come across roadblocks and obstacles that you had to navigate?
1: Yeah, my experience and my journey itself was not as, um, intentional, I think, as when people come and when they work with me, I just, I needed a change. I wasn't sure what it was gonna look like. I wasn't sure how I was gonna do it, but I started just following some of the nutrition advice that I'd learned in courses. You know, I'd studied weight loss, but never really experienced it myself. And I thought, you know what? I'm like not that overweight, probably not in the healthy zone, but not that far into the unhealthy zone. So it's not not a huge deal. But I'd always kind of underneath it all wanted to feel better in my own skin. You know, my joints were hurting when I go hiking. It wasn't, I just felt swollen, my clothes weren't fitting very well. It wasn't that that huge, but a kind of a buildup of a bunch of little things. And I just decided, you know what? I have the power to make a change and I'm gonna do it. And it was just small, it was little things. It was eating more vegetables. It was walking to work. It was taking the stairs when I was at work. Um, uh, Training for certain activities. I joined a soccer team. I found fun ways to incorporate exercise into my life so that I would do it consistently. And then just eating better, which came with its own challenges. Like I remember I still wanted to have a social life. I was single at the time living by myself, which can be pretty isolating. So I wanted to go out and see friends and go on dates and all that kind of stuff without feeling like I had to compromise what my goals were. And so there were challenges that went along with that. And even I had one friend, because, you know, I ate dinner before I went out. And when when we went out, I had a drink, which, you know, I had already decided that that's what I was going to do. And I kind of stuck to my guns. And when I got to dinner, my friend asked if I was not eating and if I acquired an eating disorder. And I'm sure they came from a place of caring, but it seemed kind of accusatory and it was hurtful. But I, you just really have to feel confident in the changes that you're making because at that time, I, I just looked at her like she was from another planet. I was like, how could you ask or even think that? Because it's so far from what I'm doing and what I believe in that it it just, you know, you brush it off. It just happens so quickly. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I'm like, you know, there are challenges along the way, but you just, again, the way you perceive it, the way you approach it, like, this is what I want to do. And getting back to the root, as well as looking at, The big picture somehow at the same time. I don't know exactly.
0: No, that makes sense. And have you found that your journey of building a business has been similar and just kind of working through the challenges or has this presented like new levels of challenges or um, opportunities for growth for you? Absolutely. Starting your own business is a constant
1: learning experience. And it's just really, I mean, I think I've been going for more than 2 years now almost 3 i can't remember congratulations thank you and it's just like i'm finally getting into a place of confidence where i'm using my own voice and i'm able to talk about the struggles i mean i started my business and there was no clients or crickets as they say like and i was like what do you mean i put in all this work i built a website i thought that you know clients would just appear i know that we have 5 million obese people in canada so I want to help them and that's just not the way business works as I as I learn and it's okay to be candid and authentic with the challenges that come Uh, and I actually love it it's like you know my I needed a different challenge in my life so I started a business and it really filled that gap and got me learning and I can't believe really all the new skills that I've acquired just over a short amount of time. So yes, resilience in trying new things, kind of continuing when the clients don't appear. When you try something, it does work, and but it doesn't work the way you want it to. Or thing oh, I've I remember I've had a couple programs that I've launched and gotten feedback, and taking that feedback not from a personal level, but from a business level and using that to make a program better, I think is part of resilience and just continuing to innovate. And I mean, we see it in a lot of fields right now, even um, the teaching curriculum that they've completely changed in our school system, which we can't relate to because we didn't go through it, but quite a few people I know who are teachers. And it's like, you have to be innovative. We can't just keep using the same methods and teaching the same things over and over again, because people are changing. Mm -hmm. And staying on top of that requires resilience for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. And so like if you've had, and I can think of so many instances in my own business where I've had these situations where, you know, you create something, whether it's a great piece of content or a program or whatever it may be, and you put it out to the world and you're so excited about it. And then you get those crickets. Like what is your process look like for dealing with that?
1: Yeah, this was especially hard at the beginning because I really was not very confident in my business. I was, you know, I had imposter syndrome around not being a dietitian. I had imposter syndrome around not being an entrepreneur or not being a full-time entrepreneur because I'm a side hustler and what does, you know, just never feeling like I fit in or like I was good enough for running my own business. Um, so then on top of that, to get crickets, you're like, oh, where is my reinforcement that I thought I would get? And it took a little bit at a time. Luckily, I have a very supportive environment. My close friends and my family have been wonderful throughout the whole process. Um, but I've just transitioned and maybe a year ago, maybe less than that, I just, I create content when it feels right. I do it for myself. I do it with the goal of providing value and you know what if one person sees it then it was worthwhile if I'm able to even just teach a teeny tiny amount of information to one person whether they're a follower on Instagram or a paying client that makes it worthwhile for me and uh, I guess just it's a big perspective thing so if I change the perspective to make it feel good, then I'm able to continue with my busy lifestyle and
0: providing um, content when it works for me. I love it. And I think that's a really important thing that our listeners can apply in all areas of our, of our lives is like shifting I guess redefining the way we view certain words, like what redefining what success actually means to you. So, in business, if you believe that success only comes when you are making five figures each month and you've got all of these clients and a wait list and all of that kind of stuff, like you're going to feel really unsuccessful for a long time because that doesn't come right away, and it might not ever. Like, and that's okay. Where as if success is really defined as like being of true service to one person. And making that your sole intention to like actually benefit somebody's life. Um, that is achievable, especially in that short term. And that just gives you that momentum to, to keep it going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, being genuine in your content, I think is going to go so much further for anyone who's reading it. And it took me a long time to get there to I thought I was being genuine in the beginning, but looking back, you see my content, like, we at Slim Nutrition Coaching, like, who's we? It's just me. I am just (laughs) one girl behind a laptop (laughs) over here. And so just getting back to, you know, and fitting it into my life, like, you know, you don't have to tell everybody everything. And as a coach in the health industry, you know, it's important for me to be healthy, but I also need to remember, like, I'm not my client's. And it did take actually another nutritionist, one of my business partners telling me, I mean, I help people lose weight, but I can't be losing weight all the time or there'd be none of me left. And, you know, I'm at a different stage in my journey than my clients are. So if I'm eating differently, that's because it's for me and everybody's kind of on their own path. And I need to remember that that doesn't make me, you know, a hypocrite. It makes me just at a different stage than where my clients are
0: yeah and that's a really important thing to remember. you know anybody who is a personal trainer, health coach, nutrition coach, anything like that, I think we all at some point or another feel that pressure to be perfect and to you know be drinking the green smoothies in the morning, and eating the big salads <laughs> for lunch and just like the the protein and greens for dinner and that's boring. I don't think I've eaten like that for like four or five years. <laughs>
1: I totally Uh, hate smoothies. I just, I know they're very trendy, but I just, I don't know. I don't like them.
0: I love them when there's like banana and nut butter and a bunch of berries and things like that. But as soon as you throw kale into the mix, (laughs) I'm
1: not here for it. Not for everybody.
0: No. (laughs) Um, But if that's your thing, all good. Mm -hmm. And so you are training for a triathlon right now. That is what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So a triathlon is is on your radar. And I think you have signed up for one. Yes. That's right. I'm registered. I'm committed. Amazing. Yeah.
1: We're getting there. And this isn't your first one, right? You've done them before. I did one when I was in university. So six years ago.
0: (laughs) Cool. And how is this process of training panning out for you? Like, is it another one of these instances where you're really having to call upon that resiliency is it teaching you new things about business like what's it been going like for you in the last couple months i i
1: mean i sign up for events with fear of not training enough and i that fear is what helps me be prepared so i always go into any activities um Wanting to make sure that I've done my best beforehand to prepare so that I can have fun, so that I can enjoy. Because if you go into a triathlon cold turkey, I don't know, I might drown in the first leg of the race and that wouldn't be a good experience for me. So there are, uh, you know, days when I, I don't want to say I'm forcing myself because if I really don't feel like it, I'm not going to do it. But I have found ways to fit the activities into my routine. So luckily, you know, my partner really likes swimming and so we'll get to go together. So, you know, that's an activity that we can do and cycling. I really haven't gotten there yet because I think I might actually have a phobia of riding my bike on the streets in Vancouver.
0: Mm, Interesting. But
1: I want to ride my bike to work and to include, it's only a 20 minute ride. But that way, at least I'll be doing 40 minutes of cycling per day. And as for the running, I've been using my soccer as training, which, you know, I know you're a trainer and you've done triathlons and you'll probably tell me that that's not enough. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, at this point, that's kind of the level that I'm able to manage between a busy work schedule and, of course, side hustling. I do think that I'm going to pick it up in April and go to more kind of spin classes and different things like that. But I'm open to any advice that you have.
0: (laughs) Well, I think the fact that you're focusing on the swimming is a good thing because like you said, like there, there's the potential of drowning, right? Like we can, (laughs) we can push ourselves through a 10 K without doing any training. I've had friends who have gone from no running at all, go and do a half marathon and they did not have a good time, but they crossed the finish line. But like, if you don't know how to swim and you don't go in the pool and then you just go into a triathlon, you're probably not going to have a great time. Um, so you've got that part down. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I would say too, it's also always really beneficial to have a couple of brick workouts. So, you know, doing one activity and then doing the other one right after. I don't know if you remember doing your triathlon before, but running straight off a bike feels really, really weird. Yes, and- Yeah. So it's really important to get your legs um, kind of adapted to that just really heavy, awkward feeling. So if you do go to a spin class, toss on your running shoes. If you're wearing cycling shoes in the class, if not, just let you head out the door and go for a run right away. Oh, that's good advice. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I have a few friends who are training for triathlons right now. And one of my clients is, and it's really making me miss it. And it's funny because I think back to the half iron man that I did in 2017 and at my peak, I was training about 15 hours a week. And I think about that now. And I'm like, there's absolutely no way I could do that now. But funny enough, I was actually probably, i not probably, I was working more hours back in 2017, not because I was busy or just because I didn't really know how to structure my time properly. And Mm -hmm. I was with clients in person way more than I am now. And I was planning health crawl and there was just all of these different things going on. And it's one of those things that like if it's a priority, you just make it happen. And sometimes I think I don't even, we don't even know how we get these things done. Like with you having your business and having your full-time job and training for a triathlon, like somebody might look at you and say, oh my gosh, I have no idea how she does it. And you might even be thinking that too, but it's like (laughs) at the end of the day, you just get it done and you make it happen. Yeah. And
1: I think it's the same when it comes to probably, you know, your personal training with your clients or, for me, for nutrition, like, you know, we do have to eat. And even for people who aren't used to eating, like, say, breakfast in the morning, there are ways to incorporate it that doesn't take a lot more time and that can fit into your lifestyle. So it's just kind of thinking outside of the box and being flexible to different options. You can, you can make most things work.
0: Yeah. And I think too, being open to the idea that the thing that you think is true about your life or your actions or yourself right now doesn't always have to be true for you. You know, I was one of those people who was always like, oh, I could never, I never considered myself somebody who would own a business, especially after watching my parents run their restaurant. People would always joke and say, oh, are you going to take over the family restaurant? And I was like, hell no, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to run my own business. Um, Not knowing that that experience made me so unemployable because I basically (laughs) just did whatever I wanted as I got older in that restaurant. Um, But it's the same thing, you know, telling yourself that you're somebody who doesn't eat breakfast, like there is the possibility that there could be another truth for you. And I think sometimes we just have to open ourselves up to that.
1: Absolutely. I love how our upbringing sounds so similar growing (laughs) up in a restaurant. And um, I think it was the same for me, I remember my parents never wanted me to run a restaurant. They were like, "You have learned from us that this is hard work and you're going to work hard in another area so that you don't yeah. have to be here 24/7, like almost every day of the year working your butt off." And um, to, you know, I'm probably one of the first people in my family that uh, finished a university degree. And then to take that and I have a wonderful job that I got because of my degree that I love and I feel very passionate about. And then to still have this entrepreneurial urge or bone in my body, whatever it is that I'm like, oh, I guess this isn't enough and I need to uh,
0: keep using my creativity in another way. Yeah. It's funny how we see that, right? Like even though we don't necessarily work like the, the 17 hour workdays or whatever, as a child, we, we see it in our families and that somehow becomes ingrained in us. And thankfully that's not my, my life anymore <laughs> for the most part. There are days like that, but um, yeah, it's just always that drive for like, what else can I do? What else can I create? How else can I make more impact? How else can I grow? Like, let's go and do this thing.
1: Yeah. It's wonderful when you can be motivated like that, you know, for your own business. And I mean, I think people feel it for those who have kind of the regular job, you can feel just as motivated for someone else, but it has to be the right thing. So. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And when I was at my full time job, so I was, I was working in a hotel, I ended up going to school for hospitality management and I was working in a hotel for about three years and for, Two of those years, that was kind of when I had started my business. And the first year wasn't really a lot of business stuff. It was kind of just like an expensive hobby. But in that last year, especially when I knew that my time there was coming to an end, I really struggled a lot of the time to find ways to keep myself motivated. And I found that looking at my job at the hotel as like my own gig really helped. So even though I only had that one little computer station at the front desk, like, that was my computer station. And I was the boss of that little corner there. And like trying to look at how I could essentially like take that entrepreneurial spirit into the work that I did there. I didn't love it at any point, but it definitely helped me to keep going towards that end goal of ultimately leaving and then doing this thing full time.
1: Mm -hmm. Awesome.
0: Yeah. So even when we are working towards things that we're passionate about or goals that are super, super meaningful to us, there are always going to be roadblocks. There's always going to be days where we don't want to get up and do the thing that we said that we should do. Do you have any tools or strategies that you use in your own life or that you use in your work with your clients to help work through those little blips in motivation or minor setbacks?
1: Yeah, definitely. And as lame as it sounds, goal setting is important. Um, it can look many different ways. It doesn't have to look like a smart goal that you might've been taught in school or, you know, every year you have to have three different goals. It doesn't have to be January 1st that you set your goals either. You know, you have to kind of tailor it to your life. So one thing I did this year, which I thought was lame. I thought it was really lame before and stupid until I did it. And I'm like, this is awesome. So, um, I made a vision board this year. Amazing. Yeah. Do you have one? I do. I have many. (laughs) So I, I, I visited my friend who's a realtor and she was like, this is my vision board. And I looked at it and I was like, you know what, this is actually cool. And I was wrong all those years that I thought it was stupid. And I put it above my computer in my office and it's just like a grounding kind of tool. So I, use it to help me when I get kind of bummed out or I forget the reason why I started this business or the things that I like in life most. So it's not even just about business. I have, you know, my travel aspirations, things I want to accomplish in my personal life, as well as different things I want to accomplish in my two different businesses and just things to keep me grounded and focused. You know, one of the big words that's on there is self-care, which means different things to everybody, but for me it really is about time and time that I can take to dedicate to myself that has nothing to do with my business and it has nothing to do with traveling, has nothing to do with a bubble bath. It's just making sure that I have time to breathe and think and be mindful and do what it is that's that I want to do in that moment. Um, And I I mean, again, making sure they're realistic. Like I have such an issue with people that set lofty goals and I know that they sound wonderful and they're very impressive, but I would much rather say, you know, like I want to lose five pounds than 50 and never accomplish it. Um, Because I think it is those little wins that we're able to track And that's something that I do with my clients. So whether it's, you know, measurements or photos or just tracking in a more kind of manual calendar version of when different things are accomplished, it's so much more rewarding to have small goals that build up over time than one huge lofty goal you feel you're never going to get to.
0: Yeah, I totally agree on that. I love to take those big lofty goals. And I find it's different. I work with a lot of different women. And some really are motivated by those big, big goals. And when I try to get them to break it down or focus on the smaller things, they're not here for it. Whereas (laughs) others, when we do present even the possibility of those big goals, it can seem overwhelming. And we really do have to start with those micro goals. But regardless of their personalities or anything even if somebody does have something big that they want to work towards, that big goal can be broken down into dozens, if not hundreds of little tiny steps. And then each of those can become a goal as well. And like you said, it's so much more exciting to work towards something that is manageable. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it can
1: also be timeline. Like whenever I do get people who have huge goals and I always talk to them about setting a realistic timeline. Like if you want to lose 50 pounds in a month... (laughs) <laughs> we're not a good match. Like, I don't know how to get you there in a healthy and happy way, which are really the kind of values of my business. So if they're along for a longer ride, then absolutely happy to get you towards that goal, as long as it's healthy for you. Uh, but I think another, and probably this is important in fitness too, is just the 80% 20 rule and not striving for perfection, and you know, finding a balance and mostly working towards your goals. But if you need a break, or if you need a treat, or if you want to do something that's not on track exactly, I think you should just go for it. There's so much more to life than these like goals that we set um, in the interim.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. It's all about balance and moderation, which, like we can say is easy and it's not for everybody. Um, But really if like we can work towards that goal of being able to allow ourselves to actually enjoy those little treats here and there, not feel like we need to have all of it right now because we're never allowed to have it again in the future and not have any feelings of guilt attached to it. Like that to me really is like the ultimate definition of health, being able to nourish your body with nutrients and then also be able to nourish your body with like that mint chocolate or nourish your soul with that mint chocolate chip ice cream, if that's what's really going to do it. Yep. I love mint chocolate ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) Now, if we have somebody who's listening who's maybe found themselves in the midst of a setback, like, do you have one piece of advice or one thing that they can do to pick themselves back up?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but taking a look at the big picture, you know, how far have you come? Even if it's just that you've started, you've moved past the contemplation stage into action. And honestly, that's the hardest step. Um, And again, you don't have to be perfect. No one is. So like striving for that is just going to cause more setbacks and you just strive for the best that, that you can do and of course ask for help when you need it so you know if you're feeling way far in a setback like you can't come back from it reach out there's always somebody who's going to be there to help you and support you they just might not know where you're at.
0: That's great advice. I love it. And I think, too, like I know you said that you don't want to sound like a broken record, but A, you didn't because you definitely (laughs) said it in a different way. But I think sometimes we need to keep hearing these messages over and over and over again because we're so inundated with everything that tells us why we're wrong and why we don't know what we're doing. Um, So be a broken record with those encouraging words. I think it's important. Yeah, that's a good point. And there's a whole bunch of
1: nonsense out there in the media and in marketing and around food marketing and on the magazines. So it's really going to be a lot of work to change those messages and I mean a lot of them have been ingrained in our brain. We were brought up in this diet culture and so it's so hard to unteach ourselves those like fake things that we were told were true. Um, So that's a good point. I'll just keep saying it over and over again.
0: (laughs) Yep. And from a marketing standpoint too, that's basically all marketing is. So you're golden. (laughs) Now you mentioned that like we have a lot of negative resources out there, things that are not maybe sharing the most beneficial information. Do you have any resources that you love, whether they're books, podcasts, blogs that are kind of more aligned with this sustainable approach to lifestyle change or even anything that really just resonates with you that you think our listeners would enjoy
1: yeah I wish I had more time to read and it's definitely on one of my lists of things to do but so I don't really have any books to offer but I love podcasts and one I've been listening to for a really long time is the gold digger podcast that's what Jenna Kutcher she talks about business she also talks about um what do you call it? body love and body positivity and that kind of stuff and challenges that she's had in her life. So I just really find her voice authentic and um, she puts out a lot of really good content. So I find it quite valuable. And then a new kind of favorite and incredible resource for mostly for women, but could be for men too, is the Mo Money podcast with Jessica Morehouse. So it's a, it's a Canadian podcast podcast. I'm having a hard time talking, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Um, A Canadian podcast about personal finance. And I think that a huge part of health is money, as much as we don't want to admit it. If you, you feel stressed out about money, you're not going to be able to kind of flourish in the other areas of your life or if you don't have the spare money to buy healthy groceries not that I think that buying healthy food costs more um but she's just I I really like her too I only discovered that podcast about a month ago but I'm really into personal finances and being a a, you know independent woman all that kind of stuff
0: cool I haven't heard that one so I'll have to check it out and uh, I'll be sure to link to those in the show notes for our listeners in case you want to go and listen to those um, and last but not least, where can we find you? Let us know all your social media channels. If you have any courses, programs, offerings, anything coming up, let us know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear me some more,
1: uh, the easiest place to find me is probably on Instagram. So my handle is Slim Nutrition Coach. I also have a website, which is slimnutritioncoaching.com. And I'm on Facebook, Slim Nutrition Coaching as well. What I am really excited to share is a new program that's launching May 1st. It will be all over my social media in April. I'm really excited about it. It's a way for me to share my nutrition knowledge and content for busy, hardworking people who want to improve their nutrition. They're not necessarily just looking for weight loss, but they want to be better. And that's going to be like monthly meal plans, recipes, all the things you need, as well as some content to kind of balance out the nutrition side. So talking about sleep and stress and hydration. And so I'm really excited about that, which is launching May 1st. And right now it's only $37 a month. So you can find that in my nutrition store on my website.
0: Amazing. That sounds so holistic. I love it. Thank you. I'm so excited. (laughs) Cool. Well, you'll have to keep me posted on how everything goes with that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for coming on and sharing your insights with us and for talking about your experiences. I am sure our listeners were able to really connect with you and hear parts of their own stories in yours. So thank you for your willingness to share. Thank you for having me. And I hope everybody learned something. Awesome. And to our listeners, as always, thank you so much for your time and your energy and for allowing us to hang out in between your ears. I'll be back with you next week with another episode of the Daily Sweat Podcast. Have a great day. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, take a screenshot listening to this podcast and post it to your Instagram stories and be sure to tag both Megan and myself letting us know what you loved.